Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder at Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. Today, I'm joined by Ruth Fittuck from Simply Roasted Crisps. Ruth, how's it going? Great. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here having a nice chat. Yeah, I'm excited to chat to a, a fellow marketer. Ruth is the marketing director at Simply Roasted Crisps. Um, just for the, the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about your background in marketing? Sure. So I started out in marketing coming up to 15 years ago now. Um, my first sort of big job was working on the launch of vitamin water or a vitamin water, as um, you guys <laughs> over there call it. Um, in the UK, uh, I was there for three years. I sort of focused mostly on experiential marketing. So lots of sampling, events, festival activation, like really fun stuff, basically. Um, and then I moved over to Pop Chips, which is another American brand launching in the UK. Um, and I was there from pre-launch. So I was employee number two in the UK right the way through until it sold to KP Snacks eight years later. So um, that was a really amazing experience for me because I was there at every single stage of the brand's life cycle, kind of from right at the beginning when it was completely unknown and we were sort of in a little broom closet surrounded by a couple of boxes of crisps um to it later went on to become the most successful bag snack launch of the last decade um and um, i went from there by a couple of maternity leaves and a bit of consulting to simply roasted where i am now and i have been for last coming up to 18 months wow um it's so cool i mean i the, the first time we chatted i was so interested in to hear about pop chips because obviously that's a really well-known really well-known brand over here so um it's really cool that you got to kind of see that entire process through I guess that that might lead on to my next question really of you know what made you join Simply Roasted I know in a previous conversation we had you talked about how um you're sort of creating all the building blocks essentially for marketing there um is that what excited you about being there like what was the what was the the reason for jumping ship yeah so first of all, I should probably explain what Simply Roasted is what what it, the brand is so it's crisps um you know a bit like pop chips it's a better for you crisp but what's different is that it's um it's a lot closer to a sort of hand-cooked kettle or Tyrrell's um fried crisp so it's real sliced potatoes all natural but we have 50% less fat and under 100 calories a serving and we're able to create a crisp like that because we have a unique process where we roast instead of fry um and I guess that was mostly what excited me about it so it's rare that as a marketer you get to work on something that's genuinely innovative um yeah. so it's patent protected we own the IP there's nothing else like it um and also because I knew the category so well I knew that this product was answering a, a genuine need and a, sort of addressing a genuine gap in the market. So, you know, having something that looks, feels, tastes like a traditional fried crisp, which people love. Lots of people love crisps, happily. People, um, I mean, everyone people, loves crisps or chips, <laughs> as we call them chips. here. Um, yeah. But people in the UK especially love yeah. their crisps. <laughs> I think crisps have got something like 93% household penetration in the UK. Um <laughs> 
but yeah you know we all eat crisps um, and that's fine but we know probably that we eat too many of them um so to have something that kind of you know is like your favorite but is better for you it's a huge opportunity and it makes I think as when you're working in marketing it makes your life a lot easier if you're filling a genuine gap in the market rather than kind of trying to engineer something like that um so true yeah, I mean, I work in B2B marketing um, for like software as a service. So different category, but it's always a lot easier to market something when you can be, when it's quite distinct, when the messages that yeah. you have to market with are significantly um, different than, than, you know, what all of your competitors are, are going to market. Yeah. And I think I had um, a conversation with someone recently about whether you know, you can work in marketing for a brand that you don't like, or you don't, you yeah. know, you're not a consumer of it yourself. And I think you can, as long as you believe in the opportunity or you, and you believe in what the product does. Um, I mean, I love crisps, so that's not a problem for me. But, um. <laughs> I am a crisp fan. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think with Simply Roasted, for me personally, it was sort of a perfect opportunity. So when I first joined the business, it was really just a name, just the name and a kind of process on a piece of paper. And mm. since then, you know, the team have built a factory from, and we've created an entire brand from scratch. And, you know, when I pop chips was amazing, but it was taking a brand that was already pretty successful in the US and then just adapting it for the UK. Whereas this was taking all of my knowledge of the category and the consumer and everything I'd learned and then putting that into creating a new brand completely from scratch. And that was a real challenge, but sort of in a nice safe space of a, of a consumer and a category I understood really well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's a very modest way of, of saying, you know, obviously it felt safe from a personal perspective, but it also probably felt safe for the people you were working with because you yeah. know the you know the category incredibly well having kind of lived and breathed it um for more than a decade so that's uh it's, it's good for you but it's also really good for them yeah I have a niche <laughs> you do you do you have a crisp niche better, better for you crisp niche <laughs> it's even niche of crisps yeah it's even a, a sub niche I don't yeah. think that's the word um but we're making it we're making it one now so within that sub niche or within the better for you category um who is who's the consumer that you're kind of going after and I guess you know, based on your previous experience, we're talking about how you know the category so well, like, does that consumer differ from, say, who you were marketing to at Pop Chips? Um, not really. I mean, I think we sort of touched on it already, but, you know, said everyone loves crisps. So at a very broad level, it could be for everybody. Um, obviously, there's, you need to be talking to someone who wants to be a bit healthier. Again, that's pretty broad, yeah. I'd say. Um, I think the kind of the key differences from the pop chips target are probably because we're a lot more similar to a traditional hand cooked chip crisp it's broader um and actually means that we can go a bit older as well so there's a sort of more traditional audience who mm -hmm. like their sort of salted kettle chips and also we are 25 percent less salt so we've got an interesting message there for that group um, we call them the silver salters who are sort of slightly older well older <laughs> more salt conscious because young people don't care about salt in fact no. if you tell something someone's low in salt that's that's a bad thing um so that's fun because i've been so you I know mean, i've worked for brands for years i just target millennials so to be able to go to talk to a different audience is always really interesting yeah. um 
but yeah, I think our aspirations with Simply Roasted are more um, are broader and to be bigger. So, you know, we want to compete with brands like Pop Chips, but we also want to compete with brands like Kettle. Um, and mm. we see ourselves as bridging the gap between the two so we can kind of win share from both sides of the market. That's really interesting. Uh, I, and I, I think that's where a lot of brands are starting to go as like the process for creating a lot of food is diversifying. I mean, I was chatting to, uh, I think we mentioned this last time, I was chatting to Olipop, um, their business and category insights manager there. Um, and they're kind of doing something a little bit similar in the, yeah. the functional soda space. So it's definitely, it's definitely a cool place to play in. When it comes to marketing in the crisps category, how is that kind of change since your days at pop chips i'm sure with eight years under your belt there you saw a lot of things kind of take shape but what do you think marketing in this category means today that it might not have meant previously well i think the biggest thing by far is d to c so yeah when i first started pop chips you know we barely had a website <laughs> it's like the, it was very low down the list to do it's not list. a priority it's, it's not, not a, priority. a priority very basic um and even as recently as a couple of years ago, I just didn't, you know, I was wrong, sort of thought this D2C thing was going to, it was just a pandemic tr- trend that was going to pass. I was like, why Why would people be shopping from all these different places? Why wouldn't yeah. you just go to your grocer? Um, I think that that's wrong. I think it's now become a behavior that people have gotten used to. Obviously, you're not going to do it with every single thing, but for brands that you love, going direct is now, you know, very easy. Um and um, with that, I think for me, the differences between social and digital. So I guess when I popped it, Instagram wasn't even a thing. Um, you know, that whole landscape has completely changed. And at the beginning, kind of the mistake I'm in is I don't like social media personally. I just don't like it. Um, I, I love LinkedIn. I don't count that social media, but I hate kind of, I don't, I don't use it. I'm not a user of it. I just don't like it. And um, it took me a while to get my head out of the sand and realize there's a difference between social and digital for a start and yeah. actually see all the opportunities and the benefits of it. I mean, ironically, a lot of the reasons I don't like social are the reasons why it makes it a marketeer's dream, <laughs> you know, the sort of tr- tr- tracking and lack of privacy. Totally. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, even just talking to friends and family, they avoid like just thinking of the way that they kind of mask their online behavior or their digital behavior. Um, you know, you can be quite savvy about it these days. And as a marketer, I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, tough. Those, but as a human, yeah, I, I get like, it. Delete Facebook, but don't, cause it's yeah. great for targeting people with, um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think for me, I'm learning a lot about DTC now, you know, I had a call, call this morning about Clavio and just looking at all of that in detail. And I was like, I just love this. It's like, you know, firstly learning something new, but just you don't get generally in marketing answers on what isn't, isn't working in real time. You know, you, you throw all these things out there as part of a marketing mix and then you never really know what's worked and you have all these levers that you can pull. And then there's also lots of other things going on with digital is different. It's, you know, you do stuff and you just find out straight away. And that's, that's great um so I think that's the biggest change you know it's just a different it's a different world and I've had to adapt to that um and kind of change kind of get over my own uh, prejudices of it and um get with, yeah. get with it yeah and I guess it's being in a constant state of I was gonna say discomfort which sounds horrible but just being comfortable with being uncomfortable I guess and knowing that you know you 
it, everything continues to change, like the channels that you need to use and, um, you know, what marketing looks like now is probably quite different from what it'll look like five yeah. years from now. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can't, you don't have to have a grasp of everything. You just need to bring in people who do, if you don't, I think is, is the other thing. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So what does your team look like then? Um, or what's the team that you want to build at Simply Roast? Um, so we're really small at the moment, you know, we're kind of just launching the brand. So um, my marketing team is myself and then a marketing manager who is very digitally savvy, but, um, and I'm learning a lot from her on that. But we also use freelancers and um, kind of smaller agencies. Um, but yeah, you know, bringing in I'm a big fan of we've got someone working at the moment who's an expert in Clavio and then they come in and do that job for us. And they're just really great at that, at that only. And then we have someone else coming in to help with the website and just sort of leaning on that specialist support. Um, mm. But you, yeah, so using a lot of freelancers as, as the brand grows, the team will grow. And um, I think we kind of will need, it's always comes in a bit late where you just need that sort of administrative support, which, totally. <laughs> it, which I don't at the moment, um, you know, there's a lot of time booking in deliveries and things like that so hopefully that will come but yeah trying to keep the team lean at this initial stage and bringing outside help as we need it I think there's I don't use trend in a bad way I think there is a trend in a good way towards doing that like bringing in subject matter experts who really know a specific thing really well it's kind of like um, when you bring in, I don't know, an illustrator from a design perspective, yeah. like someone who knows something really, really well and can help with a specific problem. And then um, you can kind of move on as, as the business grows. Yeah. I think it's And smart. I think especially with digital, because like you say, it changes all the time. You know, the algorithms change all the time. You need someone who is completely on top of that. And so they need to be a specialist, you know, having a kind of general sort of marketing slash digital person you know it's very hard to do they're like two separate roles really so yeah um it's, it's too much to expect of somebody to know the ins and outs of every single sort of digital platform or to be able to optimize them on a regular basis yeah. right um that that's a whole job in and of itself that's why you have that's why I have agencies yeah, exactly. <laughs> who I, who exactly I love dearly <laughs> <laughs> so um all right if we take a step back I guess you know we're talking about how things are going at Simply Roasted now, what are some kind of valuable lessons that you carried over from your time at Pop Chip, sorry, Pop Chips to your, your current role at Simply Roasted? I mean, so much. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> probably one of the most useful things that has been a real kind of guide, like sort of in, in the back of my head the whole time is probably the consumer and the attitudes to health that I saw just from days of sitting through focus groups. And yeah, I mean, that's a top tip. If you ever have the opportunity to sit in on the focus group, even mm. if you're like, Oh, I don't want to sit in this windowless room for eight hours, do it because even, you know, years late, like having that kind of exposure to how people think is, um, and I think you kind of need to be there in real life to really get, get it. Um, yeah. But a lot of assumptions I had just got like totally debunked, um, understanding how people feel about health and, you know, yeah, time passes, but I don't think these things change deeply. Um, and I think the biggest thing being that how people don't actually feel guilty when they make bad food choices um, most of the time. So, you know, at Pop Chips, we had some really great 
witty lines that sort of talked about guilt and we tested them and they just totally bombed um <laughs> I think because okay. I think because you know often people have their own kind of quite elaborate debit credit things going on in their head so you might eat a big bag of crisps then you're going to the gym later or you've had a really good week and now you're rewarding yourself and you know there's a it's very nuanced it's it, I'm telling someone oh you should feel guilty about that is does not go down well because you're like well I've earned that or I'm going to make up for it later or you know just leave me alone <laughs> yeah or yeah or just leave me alone I mean I think about it as well like it's a totally different world now in terms of the way that people view food and nutrition mm. and like low cal low fat mm. you know I remember when I was growing up that was the huge trend was just everything as low calorie as humanly possible, everything as low fat as humanly possible or low sugar or whatever. Um, And now I feel like people, I don't know, they want more opportunity to indulge in food as opposed to it being something bad. Yeah. I don't know if you're seeing that with, with your research. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that, um, that, yeah, the the category has moved on, but not, brands have been a bit slow Mm. to keep up with that um and I think that now definitely and maybe because of you know coming through a pandemic and how we think about health but how we think about health has changed so I think for a long time you know better for you really was about weight loss and even Mm. though it was like no it's not anymore it still was you know this all this sort of strong not skinny still sort of about weight loss really um whereas now you know health I think people are looking at it more holistically it's about feeling good it's about having energy it's about longevity it's about immunity and being well and Mm. that is a really positive thing I think and I think better for you has been growth the whole time I've worked in it and I don't see any reason why that would change if anything I think it's getting more mainstream and it's actually broadening um but I think that's really positive that it's shifting from that like diet deprivation mentality to just well isn't it better to feel good and actually we know if we eat better food we feel good feel good about ourselves but also Mm. you know we have more energy and that that for me is you know that's why I like working in this category I think it's about it's a positive thing um and if you can kind of help people make slightly better decisions and choices then they're going to make them feel better in the long run that's that's good yeah it's not a fully formed thought so I don't know but it, it takes me back to that bridging of the gap between you know the the Chris strands and the you know the pop chips of the world like the the kettle chips and the the pop chips of the world um and kind of where you guys are slotting yourselves in because you it doesn't have to be about oh I'm gonna have crisps and I'm gonna feel really guilty because I you know maybe that's that's incorrect I haven't sat in on the focus groups but you know I'm really gonna indulge so I'm only gonna have crisps occasionally or it's like I'm gonna eat something that doesn't have as great of a flavor profile, yeah. but I don't feel at all guilty because I know that it's really low calorie or, um, yeah, low, low salt or whatever it is. It's kind of like removing that, rem- yeah. removing that layer of feeling, um, and just making it sort of a normalized snack, uh, yeah. which is nice without kind of overstate. It's very difficult. It's a difficult job trying to communicate that because obviously 
you can't overstate it because a lot of the time you're just it's, you know it's impulse you're just picking stuff yeah. up and you don't want to be told either that oh we're making this choice easy for you because you think hang on this is not a hard choice for me I've got much more important things going on in my life this is just like a snack. choice is yeah. not, <laughs> <laughs> not up at, to you <laughs> but then at the same time you know those little choices that you make in the day add up and mm. kind of make you feel like better when you know that you've kind of made a slightly better choice so yeah, it's, you think, when I remember when I first started working at Pop Chips, I thought, well, this is just an absolute no-brainer, you know, like low, lower fat crisps, what's not to love? And then actually, as I got into it, it's like, oh, no, this is quite tough because people think as soon as you start talking about less fat or less calories, it suggests not going to be tasty. And then I thought, you know, I'm a massive chocolate lover. And I thought, someone said to me, this bar of chocolate tastes as good, but it's half the fat. I wouldn't believe them. <laughs> no. I, wouldn't pick, I wouldn't pick that up. Um, and actually, I mean, I'm speaking as a consumer, not a marketer here, but when I see things like that, I love chocolate. Who doesn't love chocolate? I love chocolate. And when I see, you know, better for you chocolate, I guess is what it would be classified as. I often go the complete opposite way. Cause when I want chocolate, I want something really rich and indulgent or really creamy. So, um, it's 10 30 here in the morning and I'm like, should I go get chocolate? (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I almost opt against that. So finding the right balance there would be really tricky from a messaging standpoint. It is. It's the biggest challenge that there is, I think, in the whole of the better for you category um, of getting that balance between tasty and healthy, right, in a way that's not patronizing or um, judgy. And how are you tackling that with your messaging at Simply Roasted? Like, do you have a, a hierarchy that you know, you're, you're using from a on-pack claims perspective or, you know, um, like broader social messaging perspective, like what's your framework that you're using for that? Yeah. So I think, you know, first and foremost, it's always front of mind for me, as I was saying, based on the kind of learnings that I've had that, um, I want to create a brand that people are picking up because they want to, not because they Mm -hmm. feel like they should. And that I think hopefully comes through in our packaging. You know, we want it to be super premium and really appetizing, really bright colors and like modern and contemporary. So when you first see it on shelf, you're like, oh, that looks interesting. Oh, that looks new. I want to try it. Not like, oh, this for exactly the reason you just said about chocolate. So, you know, I want to be enticing people in through and our crisps look and taste great, full of flavor. So that's the first thing of, you know, and create all of the touch points around that sort of our content on social. We hardly, we hardly talk about health. Um, mm, okay. Very practically. Um, and I, as part of that, the other thing is always leading with taste. So, you know, taste is the number one category driver. These pop chips used to be lime. So if it doesn't taste good, it isn't a snack, which sounds fairly obvious, but then I think we've all tried sort of healthier things out there. We were like, this is, and then you just want to kick out afterwards. You're like, this is not, this is you know not what? Let's go to McDonald's because it was horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I think it's about leading with taste, being positive, not negative. Um, so never, you know, never talk about guilt ever, ever. Um, but also trying to um, kind of, you know make people want to eat it because it looks good not because they feel like they should um and there was i bought this book on sort of vegetarian cooking book by this um, food writer hugh fernie whittingstall in the uk and this was years ago before kind of veganism 
went like kind of really mainstream like it is now and 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 the forward said the same thing it said you know i want to get people to eat more veg but i want to do that by um creating recipes that just look delicious that you want to eat not by getting on a soapbox and lecturing you that this is what you should be doing and i was like yeah that's that's it it's got to be something that you want to do um you know so it's a bit of a battle because obviously you can go too far the other way and I've definitely been guilty of that and some other people in the team are like you can't even tell these are healthier because you've just taken everything off <laughs> um, so, so yeah but you know sometimes taking a bit far but I think leading with taste leading with brand and then you know quantifying that at the bottom with you know plus 50 percent less fat and also you know to your point staying away from diet language keeping the fat and calories and salt message are very mm. functional so it's like we talk in terms of numbers we never say low fat we never say low cow because mm. that just feels like quite kind of 90s dieting yeah I mean you can tell I was I was triggered clearly earlier when I was like <laughs> low cow low salt low, yeah. low fat um, people just think well what's in it then yeah and those tiny little packages like I just yeah. remember the, the yeah, mini yeah. packages um yeah. I think that there's so it's so funny I mean you know, marketing is marketing. I get that, but there's nuances depending on if it's B2C or B2B or the type of category that you're working in. Um, but the one thing I'm thinking about as you're saying this is, you know, when I started working in DIY research, which um, is obviously quite different from, from the world that, that you live in, we talked a lot about, you know, creating a category for self-serve research. Um, and that, entailed a lot of education. Like there was a lot of educating people about why they should even want to do this. And when you're talking about, you know, leading with taste and premium packaging and really wanting to buy a specific crisp or chip as opposed to specific brand, sorry, as opposed to, you know, they should buy it. That makes me think, you know, is there a piece about educating the market around this kind of category that you're creating or this bridge between the super indulgent crisps and the, the really low cal crisps. Is that something that makes up part of your marketing strategy, like that educational piece? Yeah, it does. But I think you've kind of got to, people have got to try it first. So, you know, our mm. hope is that you pick up the bag, you try it, and then you look at the packaging and you're like, oh, and they're 50% less fat. Great. Because if you tell someone the problem with in health, which is probably, and, and, snacking which is probably quite different from other categories yeah so if you tell someone something's healthy they just don't believe you that it's going to be tasty and that is so true <laughs> like yeah. you, you, they need they almost need and with pop chips when we first launched we didn't even have the calorie content on the front of the pack because we thought it detracted from you know we thought that it was still it was a different time than obviously now and I remember having the argument I was like guys I think we're ready we need to put it on the front yeah but the thing was it was like you pick them up you try them and you turn the bag around you're like oh and these are under 100 calories great and actually it being delivered that way round makes quite a big difference you can tell some something is tasty until you're blue in the face but they won't believe you try it it. yeah so try I think trial is huge for us trial over education hope hope you know hoping with the hope that most people will try and see the you know it does say 50% less fat on the front of our packs so you know, it does say it's not as if you're not including that messaging. It's just, yeah, I I understand that that makes complete sense. Um, and it kind of goes back to our original, your original point of, you know, you need to get people bought into wanting to try the brand as opposed Mm -hmm. to like, they should for, for health reasons. So that makes sense. And you know, that 
the great thing going back to digital is that you can test all of these you can sort of put all these kind of hypotheses to the test and do loads of a b testing which we're doing at the moment and then get try and get closer to getting that balance mm. right yeah awesome so we've talked a little bit about this um you know why this category is so interesting right now is there anything else that comes to mind of like what is it that you love about working in the the better for you category is there anything else we haven't touched on um i think generally for me i never sort of had a conscious decision to set out and work in this category it's just kind of happened quite naturally in that you know you start in something and then you kind of create a bit of a niche for yourself but the reason why i have i like it so much um I think that marketing, you know, with marketing, you're basically trying to get someone to change their behavior and mm. you can put that, I mean, you see it all the time, you can put that to quite nefarious uses if you want to, you know, there's quite a lot of dark arts of marketing, um, so you, cigarettes, but you actually can't do that anymore, it's illegal, but you know, yeah. there's <laughs> other examples which I won't, not to just name and shame anybody, but I think that's the nice thing about working in Better For You is you can kind of, you know that you are trying to do something that's actually leading to like positive change rather than yeah. um something else so I think for me and I you know I just feel strongly that you know having a being healthy is a good thing and yeah. you know live, having a balanced you know and it's all about balance and it's all about so we you know we're also working crisps it's not an apple you know it's about sort of having the things that you like and having a nice life but you know also being quite healthy enough you know, to be like healthy enough health, super health super conscious. healthy yeah healthy, health healthy enough, enough. <laughs> yeah and Are I think any... as well then sorry, oh, sorry. I think no, as well, it's a nice um it's a it's a fun part of the categories being where all the innovation is now so you know you don't see a huge amount of innovation and indulgent but it's all coming from better for you mm. so it's like a really fun dynamic lots of small brands big a lot of the big brands big well-established brands just don't do healthy very well firstly it doesn't fit within their portfolio it's hard for them to talk about it because it kind of undermines their you know big kind of the golden goose um yeah. so what that does is create space for smaller brands so it tends to be where all the kind of challenger brands are and all the interesting voices and and um yeah it's yeah. fun yeah I mean on the topic of that from a challenger brand perspective are there any challenger brands that you kind of look to as people who are doing a really good job at kind of taking on the better for you category or even we don't have to you know doesn't have to be that category are there any brands that you draw inspiration from more generally yeah I mean I used to love and I used to travel to the US quite a lot with pop chips and I'd always my favorite thing would be to just go to Whole Foods and spend like two hours mm. just walking around Whole Foods and looking at the shelves because firstly I think in the US it's about sort of five years ahead of the UK I mean some of the trends don't ever get here you know you think oh this will be the next big thing and then it, yep. it just doesn't even doesn't even hop across but um, also just the volume of small brands and they you know the amount on offer is compared to the UK um, is huge um, and I I feel like the things are so fast moving in food and drink that you have challenger brands now challenging the challenger brands. So, I know. you know, like, I mean, Olipop, who you mentioned earlier, actually would have been an example that I gave. Um, and I love what they're doing. And you would have thought that, you know, software has been loads of innovation in drink. There's loads of like cool young brands and then they come, they come in and they go, oh, we're doing something different. And you're like, yeah. wow, there's like still space here. Um, and I love Recess, which we don't have in the UK either, but 
I love their branding. I love their like mm. messaging and their like visual look and feel. Um, so it was just interesting because you would have thought, you know, soft drinks completely saturated, and then actually, no. <laughs> I know. And then there's the soft drink, like the bigger brands, um, some of who we work with at Dig, who are innovating in the like hard seltzer. Uh, yeah arena, or you know they're moving into the alcohol category which yeah. is also really interesting um, it just it just moves so quickly though I think um by the yeah by the time that's happened there's already you know, know. 15 other brands have popped up I also really um it's funny because I'm not I I'm not their target consumer and I'm not I don't use their product but I have a respect for the brand Huel which is like this food replacement oh, yeah. drink which is not it's, <laughs> for me but what they've done I think is like amazing so to kind of create a whole new category or take you know what used to be like slim fast and then reposition it as you know flip the audience yeah yeah I think I'm um sort of in awe of them and I think you can see that brand is really important and I think you know sometimes when you get um in a way that it's not for other brands necessarily, I think has been a big part of their success, but yeah, people love it. I mean, I see people, you know, round and about where I live wearing Huel hoodies, drinking out of Huel yeah. water bottles and stuff. So, I mean, anyone that can create that, sort of, they call them Huligans, <laughs> anyone who can create yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. So sort of thing. And in a relatively short, relatively short space of time, um, you know, so anyone who comes in and kind of create, shifts a kind of creates their own category like that I think is yeah. um, it's amazing yeah they're then I'm not their target audience either. no I mean I've never I've like never tried any of their products <laughs> but I'm not no. I'm not that I don't think I've also what I do think is smart is I'm saying this and I don't think I've ever even been served one of their ads so I'm not I'm like really not their target audience at all I just um have a respect for their craft basically <laughs> I haven't served their ads before but on, on a marketing level I mean I hadn't really thought about you know the fact that you're seeing people around with t-shirts and kind of swag I think they must have done an incredible job of basically packaging up all of that swag with you know the first order or something like that mm. because you never see someone drinking Huel well, I don't know how I would know this. But you all often see people drinking Huel or um, through with with one of those Huel yeah. mugs, right? Like it's yeah. very associated with their brand. You kind of wouldn't be able to miss it. So um, yeah, what they've done is is really interesting. Um, there's also a brand uh, that I keep looking at in the, they're from the UK called Thursday. It's a dating. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I see them on yeah. LinkedIn a lot. Yeah, they've done some really cool stuff in such a saturated space. I don't think it's in Canada yet, so um, I haven't seen anything. But very just um, distinct. Yeah, they're all over LinkedIn, and it's interesting because yeah. I wonder if that's their main channel. I don't know. Um, uh, I haven't seen them anywhere else, to be honest. So, but then again, again, not the target market. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they've got a very distinct tone of voice as well on LinkedIn. Anyway, I mean, anyone. I think the sort of theme there as well is that when a brand sort of really knows itself like that and has this very clear tone of voice, very clear like brand mission, and then they really just focus on it. Um, 
I think you can kind of tell when that's happening and it's, you know, you're like, sure. this, this works. It's very consistent um, yeah. and focused. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do, yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I've got no idea of like how well they're doing or, like, you know. Either. I just think what they're, they're, experiential stuff that they're running is like really cool like they're just popping up everywhere in random places um doing some like really different stuff and I mean the the whole concept it matches with what they're selling right because the whole concept is you know you date on Thursdays I think I haven't actually yeah yeah it's only I think only app only works one day a week yeah so I get it you know it just it's Mm. just smart um, and it's mm. cool to see someone really standing out against the likes of like Bumble and Tinder and yeah. who, are, who are huge. Um, amazing. Well, I think that's all the time we've got today. Um, this has been so interesting for me and I'm sure very interesting for the listeners. Where can people find Simply Roasted? Can they find it yet? Tell us, um, you know, what, yes. where we should so, be looking. Well, we're launching in Whole Foods UK next month so from March we'll be there um, and we're already in some sort of select retailers in the UK but um, at the moment our website is probably the best place who are in web shop D2C love it <laughs> obviously um, <laughs> and if any of the listeners would like to try some of the crisps I've been talking about we have a code dig30 so you can have 30% off your first order <laughs> oh my gosh I love it yeah um but we shall be popping up in other places very soon. So we've got a lot of kind of things in the pipeline for this year, but um, yeah, we're at that kind of stage at the moment where we're just, just at the kind of beginning kind of pre-tipping point, Mm. which is, which is a fun time, but um, yeah, check out our website basically. This is so cool. I can't wait to try them. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much, Ruth. Thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.